And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. Horror is a release. It's cathartic. You have a bad day in the office, you have a bad day at home or whatever. You go to a horror movie and you scream, you laugh, and you get it all out. You know, it's a release of all these pent-up emotions. And there's just so much great stuff in the horror genre just waiting to be discovered. It's not just remakes or PG-13 horror movies or, you know, uh, stuff you get on the web. There's just so much content out there. The best and bloody the horror has to offer. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 160, buddy. Bam. And uh, we have a guest this time that I am stoked as hell about. Yeah. This gentleman is a writer. He's a producer. He's the best damn genre activist I've ever seen. He best. used to be your uh-huh. boss. Used to be a boss of mine. <laughs> uh, editor emeritus for Fangoria Magazine, please welcome Tony Timpone. Hey, Tony. Hey, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Langley. I am uh, <laughs> a pleasure uh, to talk to you guys. You, sir, have always been one of my favorite people. I think no one is a better advocate for the genre than you are, because you love it. Wow, clearly, that's really kind. Clearly, you love it mm-hmm. so much, and uh, you're you're right mm-hmm. there. It's like one of us, one of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to start by asking you a little bit about, we like to hear about people when they grow up. So I'm curious, when you were a kid, were you a monster kid, quote unquote monster kid? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I grew up reading uh, famous monsters of Filmland, watching the Universal Classics on uh, black and white TV, um, going to uh, AIP movies and the drive-in. I was very fortunate. My folks never took me to Disney movies. They took me to... Dracula has risen from the grave and frogs and uh, conquest oh, of the planet of the apes and uh, conquer worm, you know, and I didn't come, to, a lot of times I didn't even come, go in the theater. They dropped me off with, you know, my sisters or, or, or even just me. And I, you know, I see all these great films, the boy who cried werewolf and, uh, yeah. you know, all the, all those, you know, seventies, uh, late sixties, seventies exploitation movies. It was, it was great. I didn't see a Disney movie till uh, till I was working at Fangoria, and I got invited to uh, a revival of Snow Snow White or Sleeping Beauty or something like that. I didn't even know what Disney movies was were. You know, my my friends' parents were taking their kids to see that stuff and Sound of Music, and like I said, uh, you know, I was seeing um, uh, you know Godzilla versus the Sea Monster and all this stuff. So yeah, I grew up with a, and uh, you know, as a monster kid, uh, you know, I bought the Aurora model kits and collected Marvel comic, yeah, Marvel comics, and yeah, that was pretty much me. God, you remember? I remember double features. Like I saw a Mega Man and THX eleven thirty eight together. Like I was, I had a a card. I was a, I was a crossing guard. If you had a crossing guard, you can go to this certain movie theater for free, and you would just sit there all day long and just watch. My, wow. favorite, my favorite double feature still is the the first movies I ever saw in a theater, 
and it was uh, I was I, I think I was five, and I saw uh, Doctor Fives Rises Again <laughs> and Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And that was a great double <laughs> like it. Uh, I'm curious. Do you remember? I, I know you're a big Psycho fan, but do you remember the first film you saw that really kind of left a mark? Hmm. Maybe uh, King Kong, hey. the original yeah. King Kong, because uh, yeah, because um, we used to have this thing in, in the New York City, uh, the tri-state area called the Million Dollar Movie, and it aired every weeknight at eight o'clock, and they used to show the same movie all week long from, you know, 8 to 10. And um, when I was, like, a, a very impressionable young uh, child, they showed King Kong, and I watched it every single night, and it just, like, really imprinted on me. Um, so that, that really had an effect. Yeah. It's funny. We laugh because certain things keep coming up on the show. And King Kong is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back. Yeah, man. Going off into the and it still it still holds up. It's still one of the greatest, it's, you know, top five greatest fantasy movies of all time. I saw it not too long ago here in New York City at the Film Forum, where they had a, a Fay Ray scream screamer screamer like uh, scream along contest, and uh, and seeing it on the big screen again after all these years, it's just. I don't know, it just it's, it seemed it really hadn't dated too much, and it's still head and tails above the you know the Peter Jackson and and the Dino De Laurentiis versions. Mm -hmm. It still still stands tall. Yeah, it's so weird that yeah. film comes up. Like we talk to effects artists and writers and filmmakers, and everyone always comes back. To Everybody that. always, yeah, it's, it's really so wild. many people say that's the movie, that's the one that that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, it's so good. Did you have, growing up, did you have a horror host? Uh, yes, we had um, a guy in New York uh, called The Creeper. There we go. Um, who was on Channel 5. Um, he he wasn't on camera that much. It was mostly voiceover. And uh, let's see, um, I was too too uh, old for Zachary. Zachary was already off, pretty much off the air. Mm hmm um, or too young, I should say. Or too old. Uh, well, he he was pretty much off the air by by the time I was growing up. And uh, yeah, most of the movies just you know they had weekly horror shows. And and in one case, they used to have a show called Thriller Theater instead of Chiller Theater. Mm. They used to air on uh, uh, weekday afternoons at four o'clock or four thirty. And they should, that's where I saw all the Universals. Yeah. And uh, Creature Features was on Saturday night. And I, you know, I saw a lot of the, the hammers there, and uh, um, so yeah, but not, the hosted stuff, not, not so much. It's so different now. I mean, for us, it was always about. We talk a lot on the show about highlighting TV guides and getting up in the middle of the night to watch like oh like, yeah, Ghidra movie. Yeah. Um, um, That's and, right. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I used to memorize the TV guide yeah. as a kid. And then there came that era where it was all, you know, for the first time you saw, like, Gates of Hell on a video shelf uh, in a mom-and-pop right, store. Right, right, right. And now I, I just find genre fans become so fractured because everyone's off doing their own thing and finding their own thing, and there isn't this central hub. It's the same, it's, it's the same with, mm. with everything, right? Like, say, for example, music, you know? It's like there's so much stuff uh, uh, instantly available to you now mm -hmm. that it's... I, I, on one hand, that's great. You can find whatever you want to find. But on the other hand, 
there's no I, I, I feel like there's no uh, I don't know there's no tribe I think I know what, what you're getting at you know I think everything is is all geared to feed a pipeline a VOD pipeline before that was a DVD pipeline and a cable a cable pipeline that nothing has the staying power power that it used to have when we were kids when we'd see you know say uh, a, a, you know class, classic car, see, see a horror movie in the theaters and then you'd wait a few years and for the film to come back in theaters for a revival or whatever and 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 legends and cults built around these movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween would come out again every Halloween and you know and everything would be written about these movies and they'd be celebrated now everything it's just on an assembly line and and, and I cite the examples of, of a couple of movies like uh, It Follows and The Witch were well, there was this amazing buzz for these films before they came out when they were on the festival circuit and then they played theaters and you know they did sleeper business. But a few weeks later, they were just forgotten about. You don't see people walking around wearing T-shirts that say "It Follows" or "The Witch," like you do, you know, Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, they don't get these, you know, the, the websites devoted to them and people obsessing over them, like uh, you know, the films of the '80s and the '70s. Now everything is just—it's just product to fill a pipeline. It's not something that. You know, people are on to the next thing, and it's all the, this instant gratification uh, that, that, that the people today are, uh, subscribe to or part of, that you're just waiting for the next thing to come out a week later, and, you know, the, those movies are just the ones that got you excited the week before are forgotten in an instant because you're on to the next thing and the next mm-hmm. thing to buy, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad in, in a way, and maybe that's why some of these filmmakers don't, you know, aren't uh revered like uh you know like the carpenters and the romeros and the cravens because um you know it's the people are on to the next thing you know they don't they, the, people don't get excited about them anymore yeah it's product it becomes nothing but right well, you're just it's, selling yeah, widgets it's disposable entertainment mm-hmm. and it, it mm-hmm. is, the sad thing about that is i would argue that there are movies being made today that in in some ways rival those movies that we love from mm-hmm. our from our past. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, they're, but they're never going to have that. That uh, it, it requires time to gel. Yeah, like in the in the viewer's head to become to develop an affection for something. Yeah, when something hits on a weekend, and if it doesn't do boffo business in that weekend, right. it's gone. Yeah, it's hard to spend that time. Tony's absolutely right. Uh, it, yeah, as much as we. Uh, 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 love, say for example, shape the Shape of Water, because we mm-hmm. love that movie. You're not going to see kids wearing a, a Shape of Water T-shirt. You know, right? <laughs> Rotten cotton. Sean is not going to. It's not going to produce a Shape of Water. You know, run of shirts. You know, man. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. Tony, have you seen the stuff Sean Lewis is doing for Ivan Press, the Fulci comics? Oh yeah, he's doing amazing stuff. It's Maniac Comics, yeah. the Fulci comics. That beautiful, beautiful artwork. Really. Uh, you know, imaginative, imaginative writers like Stephen Romano, who are real big fans. Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed. I'm really impressed with his work. Yeah, yeah, he's a real fan, and he puts everything into his stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's in fact, I want to say, Sh- a Fango Con is where I first met Sean Lewis back in the 
Really? Early 90s, yeah. Really, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a staple there with... <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I just remember, yeah. I remember a night in a hotel bar, it was a bunch of people, and Sean was yelling at this poor guy with a guitar, just trying to do his business. <laughs> and Sean's yelling at him to play Melancholy Baby. <laughs> this guy doesn't even know what Melancholy Baby is. Um, hey, I read that you, oh, you, you went to NYU, yeah? Yes. And mm -hmm. you got your yeah. degree in journalism? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I also took film classes. I also took a you know, bunch of film classes and um, uh, wrote for the school newspaper, that kind of stuff. was with, in the sci-fi club. With that in mind, was there ever a point where you, you, know, where you thought you were going to be Dan Rather? No, you know, I, I figured I'd be working when I got out of college at... Uh, if I was lucky, I'd be working for the local penny saver or something like that. I never imagined <laughs> that I'd have my dream job, you know, work, you know, editing Fangoria pretty much as soon as I got out of school. It was, it was just a, uh, you know, the the great god Cthulhu was looking over me, uh, and uh, I, all my dreams came true, you know, when I was, uh, you know, fresh out of college. It just uh, everything fell into my lap. I was very fortunate. Was was Fangoria was Fangoria a thing already when you when you? Oh yeah, Fangoria came out. Fangoria came out while I was in high school. Came out in 1979, and I was a sophomore in high school. So you know, I bought the first issue, and I you know I loved. Of course, I loved the magazine. I had grown up reading Famous Monsters of Filmland. But it was too juvenile by that point. Even though I still bought it, um, but then here, here was a magazine that you know treated ki ki kids like adults and introduced me to filmmakers I'd never heard of, like you know Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento and H. D. Lewis, and uh, you know all, all these you know these uh, independent and uh, international filmmakers that were just not part of my my uh, education at that point, and. I, you know, I always dreamed of, oh, maybe I could write an article for them someday. And uh, and sure enough, uh, yeah, I broke in by writing for Fangoria's sister publication, Starlog, first. Yeah. At that time, Starlog was uh, all freelance writers, where Fangoria had, was very unusual in that uh, the articles were written by the two editors, uh, Dave, Ma uh, Dave Everett and Bob Martin. Mm -hmm. They they each wrote like five articles per issue, and there was no room for freelancers. I, you know, I tried to write for Fangor, and they said, "No, no, we got to cover. We're, we're doing this ourselves." So uh, then I was in. I, I uh, while I was still in college, I was interviewing a lot of Star Trek and Star Wars people who were very accessible back then at the conventions, mm -hmm, uh, sure. creation conventions. Uh, you know, they'd have Anthony Daniels there, and and. and yeah. There's a name I haven't yep. heard in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's still going strong. Uh, I think probably 50 years now. Wow. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and they, and they were really cool. You know, you'd meet the celebrities and you'd go to uh, um, downstairs to the uh, um, the restaurant. I'd interview them and I'd sell the articles to Starlog and, and some of the other science fiction magazines at, at, the, at the time. Sci-Fi Movie Land was one. And then Fari Ackerman was doing a horror magazine too after he left Famous Monsters called uh, Monsterland. And he uh, published some of my articles. But my dream was always to break into Fangoria, but uh, it was a tough nut to crack until uh, Bob Martin resigned. And at the same time, I was hired 
you know, a few weeks out of college uh, to work on Stalag as an editorial assistant, but they needed someone at Fangoria quick because uh, Dave Everett was doing everything himself. So I was in at the right. I was at the right place at the right time, and I went right to work at Fangoria in July 1985. Yeah, I remember. I that's how I came to Fangoria was through Starlog. I was a I was a Starlog kid, man. I I remember I had. Yeah, me too. <laughs> for years, I had you know that first issue, and and I remember those awesome covers. Yeah, you know they had you know there was paintings of I I I, I want to say the first one was a Star Trek. Uh, themed cover, and the next one was like Space 1999 or something like That's that. That's right. You yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Star Trek was the first cover. And then what really mm-hmm. blew me away, what really hooked me, was when they started doing profiles of artists. Like, okay, like for for uh, for several uh, issues, they did, um, uh, you know, this affects artists. I remember r- that picture of Rick Baker surrounded by all the Incredible mm-hmm. melting man heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah! I'm like, oh my god! Well, it's so important as a young kid to go. Wait, this someone does this? Yeah, this, this is, is a, a job? job. Holy shit! Yeah, I went in on that. Yeah. Um. So so uh, it, when you joined, when they brought you on, you it was your baby. They did they did they ever try to dictate content or direct direction? No, no, no. The the uh, great thing about working for Fangoria at the, at the time was that uh, Fangoria was, was sort of like the ugly stepsister or the unwanted stepchild. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, Stalag was, you know, was the big circulation driver. Fangoria was kind of on, on there was a time when I, when I just started, you know, the sales weren't that doing that great. And, uh, you know, the editors of the magazines were pretty much left alone by the publisher, Norman Jacobs. That's, you know, one great thing to say about Norman was he gave us the freedom to make the magazine that we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, the only maybe directives were uh, if a big movie was coming out that month, we, you know, we should put, uh, you know, the, the big mainstream movie on the cover because those films are going to be more widely publicized. Uh, than other film, than independent films say, and uh, we have more. He felt that he, we have a bigger chance of picking up new readers that way. That way, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So that 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 was you know sort of so we that was the only kind of pressure. If you know if there was a big you know Bram Stoker's Dracula was coming out, you know you wanted to put that on the cover because you knew the the you know it was going to be part of the public awareness. And they'd want to pick up your magazine to read about it. This was before the internet, where you know people couldn't wait to get the new issue of the magazine to read the terror teletype, for example, to see what's coming up. Right. right you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we got we pretty much uh, you know were given free reign, and, and that was a great thing. We were able to make the magazine we wanted to make. Sometimes we'd get suggestions, like uh, or, or the only time I think I ever got yelled at was. Um, um, a, a, we, there was some partial nudity in the, one of the first issues I worked on, uh, issue number 51. There was these naked bimbos in this alien slime pit, and you kind of you saw a nipple, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I got in trouble for that. And that was, yeah. So that and one other time, one other time, I, uh, we we got we got in trouble because. Uh, we we dropped an f bomb because we had a, a writer on the set when they were filming Nightmare on Elm Street three, 
And uh, it was the scene where Freddie attacks Zsa Zsa Gabor on the set of the Dick Cavett show. Right. And Freddie says, who, gi who gives a fuck what you think, Zsa Zsa? <laughs> so, so we ran that line of dialogue in the magazine. So some little kid was reading the magazine and was running around the house screaming, who gives a fuck what you think, Zsa Zsa? And the, the kid's mother, you know, the kid was like 10 or, 11, or, or 9, and the kid's, kid's mother heard him saying this, and where'd you get that filthy mouth from? And she said, from this magazine. So we got, actually got in trouble for that. You know, she complained to the newsstand, and, uh, and the newsstand complained to the distributor, and the distributor complained to us, so... We got, we got, so no more, there were no more F-bombs in Fangoria after that. Um, I just, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about having the time. Well, I just remember Fangoria doing stuff like, hey, here's what Chaz Ballin's up to. Here's what Savini's up right. to. And yeah, you yeah, made, yeah. you made kind of rock stars out of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, right. That's right. I don't think Savini's <laughs> career would be Savini's career without, not to pick on Tom, but it, without Fangoria in his corner going, look at this, look at this, look right. at this. You know? Well, yeah, and, and I, that, think that, yeah. I think that's where the, again, a, a difference between that time and now, I think that that's one thing that the, the magazines really did is that they, you know, like, it was, like, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal to get, hey, I'm going to have an article on me in Fingoria. I'm going to have an article <laughs> on me in, you know, in whatever, you mm -hmm. know, Starlog. And that, like, that was a big deal. And now it's like, it, I feel like publications, um, uh, Tony, I, I, I write occasionally for this thing called Stop Motion Magazine that nobody pays attention to. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're having to chase people you know, it's like, hey man, can you, can you like, can I interview you for this magazine? Well, and they're like, oh man, I got lunch, you know. <laughs> Whereas before, I feel like if a magazine approached you, you were deal. like, oh shit, yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Having that, that yeah, is important. Go ahead. Yeah, it's true because you know because of the web, I suppose you know these people get contacted through Facebook and. Mm -hmm. And Twitter and things like that. And, and everyone, uh, everyone's yeah. got a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I, I just remember, I just think these days, it was one of the reasons that it used to, it's bummed me out about writing for, for places online was that you spend two weeks crafting this interview and you put it up and it's got like a 24 hour shelf life and then. That, yeah, we move then, on. To yeah, and that just blows. It's like yeah. this is good stuff. So I'm curious. Over the years, I mean, were there moments when you were like, I know it happened to me, where you're sitting on a set and you're like, I'm chatting with Craig Nicotero for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just so mind blowing. Was there any moments for you where you just had to go? Like I remember Nicholson coming to an LA convention and that was crazy for wolf yeah yeah i know that uh, yeah i've had uh, you know experiences like that when i met some of my childhood heroes you know through fangoria vincent price for example jack wow. nicholson um christopher lee where you just you know the person's talking and you, you can't you're pinching yourself because you can't believe you, you, you can't believe you're in the presence of these uh these legendary figures it's it's yeah it's an awesome awe-inspiring experience uh, when that happens. 
And so, uh, yeah, so many times. When those things blossom into, like, real friendships, it's like, man. That's really mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's yeah. Really bizarre. Um, but it That's true, yeah. It drives home the point that, that you know, regardless of, of, you know, who this luminary is and how big they, they loom in your imagination is uh, they're, they're people just like you and they they require friendship and they require you know they want they want that connection mm-hmm. yeah that's so true sometimes it's surprising mm-hmm. uh, we sp- it is it is uh, we spoke with Michael Gingle right after he left Fango and I don't know how much mm-hmm. you talk about your leaving Fango um, well, I never really left. It's it's kind of uh, when uh, Chris Alexander took over as editor, I I, I was then uh, I segued over to running the company's video on demand division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was of course still with the company, and I had a much easier job. I was you know just watching movies and you know going to film festivals and things like that, and I didn't have to deal with. Uh, magazine deadlines anymore and getting writers paid and uh it was uh it was a great transition it was uh, it was a really lucky break for me that someone else now had the pressure of you know getting a magazine out 10 times a year uh, you know dealing with studios and trying to get the materials you needed and making deadlines you know all that stuff disappeared so it was a great it was you know it was a perfect transition for me let alone that that pursuit of ad revenue was always such a pain in the ass yeah, yeah, the ads were drying up, uh, you know, the internet pretty much killed the magazine, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, and, um, it's, 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 you know, it's very sad, you know, there was new management who didn't really know how to run a magazine, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a sad end, but, um, you know, it, it was good for me, and career-wise, uh, to step away when I did, so, um, um, so, yeah, I don't have any regrets about that. No, no, no. I yeah. still dream about editing the magazine and having to meet deadlines and <laughs> proofreading copy and things like that. So, so it's and still a part of me, it. that's for sure. For, for my, my side of things, uh, publishing gave me a, an addiction to um, the smell of printer's ink. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I smell that and I just go, ooh, that's new books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious uh, to get your thoughts on the changing landscape of genre. Like you, you mentioned VOD, mm-hmm. and um, we live in a world where, and literally, I, as I like to say, the good news is anyone can make a film. The bad news is anyone, anyone can, can make, make a, a film. film. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so hard to get your um, your voice heard above the din. You know, and there used to be places yeah. like like Fangoria or whatever, or even, you know, Gorezone or, or what have you, that would give you that platform. But that seems to be all gone now. Um, what are your thoughts on all mm. that stuff? Yeah, I think it is, this, we're living, uh, you know, in an era of where uh, it's an, an, an embarrassment of riches. There's just yeah. so much content now. And you really need to have some of the stuff curated for you. So that's why I, you know, I spend so much time at film festivals, uh, working for film festivals as well, where uh, you know you kind of do get to see the cream of the crop, and um, 
you know, not, and I, I go on the web, the various websites, uh, like Dread Central, who I do writing for, and oh. Isn't get an idea of what other people are saying, uh, you know, uh, and I read reviews. So, you know, I try to keep up on things, but there's, there's just so much content. Um, you know, I, I was just reading how Netflix is going to release 80 to 90 movies this year, yeah. which is, it, it's insane. Where the average studio only puts out like 10 and, and Netflix, which is, in, I think, more homes than people have DVRs now. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, uh, you know, it's just, just so much content. content. Uh, and I also kind of respect what um, streaming services like Shudder are doing, because, mm-hmm. again, it's uh, the, the, they're curating the films and trying to pick films that, you know, that, that sift through the junk, you know, and, get rid of, and just concentrate on, on the stuff that they find appealing, and that is just going to... You know, fill fill an assembly line. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. that's important. Yeah, I agree. I think that these days, um, the bar, in my opinion, anyway, the bar keeps getting lowered. You know what I mean? Where right. it's like, yeah, we could we could spend more time on story, but really, we're we're shooting at an audience of thirteen year olds. You know, right. for a certain for a certain film, mm-hmm. and they're just. Right. Although we we with the shape of water that you had mentioned, yeah. we're starting to see I think genre films truly for adults, and that's good. I applaud that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always wondered why more genre people didn't take advantage of the NC-17 rating. Other than I mean, with NC-17, you don't get certain advertising opportunities or whatever. That's one of those. That's one of those things where a a a singular movie kind of ruin things you know it's like you know the, mm. the, there was a bad apple and that it, was uh i want to say it was a, what was the stripper movie oh bro uh showgirls showgirls yeah that kind of fucked that rating up because yeah. people were like oh fuck this you know well, i think a lot of what happened also was the unrated D- dvds am i correct in that oh sure yeah yeah probably yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I was reading an article recently about how they're doing surveys of people that are leaving theaters. Um, and unfortunately, most theaters now are at the mall. And so they were getting their mm-hmm. data skewed because the people that were willing to talk to them were all younger. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Without that sense of There's a There's a lot of stuff. kind of, you know... It, it drives me nuts whenever I talk to to younger people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that you know that that movie wasn't very good because it didn't have any CGI." Oof. And it just it, it just drives me nuts. I'm just like, <laughs> "When you're Tony, take a breath." <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I hate yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I had a weird experience. Um, I caught uh, the new Star Wars movie, uh, The Last Jedi. About four weeks after it had already been out, I had missed the screening the month before. And, um, and I was sitting there in the theater. It was at 10, uh, 10.30 show. Oh, no, it was 11.15 on a weeknight. And there was only two other people in the theater. And this was, like I said, just a few, four weeks after the movie had come out. You know, it had already made uh, you know, half a billion dollars. I was shocked. I still thought it would be, you know, when I was a kid, you know, movies like that played for six months or longer. I think The Exorcist played for a full year, you know. uh, And here it was, you know, four weeks later, and the movie was, you know, it was nearing the end of its run, which to me was insane. And it comes all 
back to that, you know, that whole assembly line mentality. Uh, you know, just get it out there, you know, have you four weeks, then DVD and VOD and downloads and all that. And, and then you can watch it on your phone two months, three months later. It's, it's just so different that's now. The way, that's the way film should that's be seen. Should, exactly. <laughs> on your phone. On this little <laughs> two by I just, three. I remember seeing the right stuff on a little four-inch TV I had, this little portable <laughs> thing, and it just, just robbed it of, of its majesty. You know? well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like um, I, I watched... Uh, the first time I saw uh, Blade Runner 2049 oh. was on my phone, <laughs> and oh my god, it drove me nuts. I'm like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. I wish I could see it. I wish I was smaller. Freaking big screen. Yeah. I'm curious. Are are you a fan of that kind of stuff? The Star Wars, the superhero movies. Um, not so much. As, uh, I'm kind of burned out on the superhero movies. Um, Star Wars, I'm still enjoying. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy these epic space battles and the mythology. Um, I thought the new film was really good. Uh, I thought it was better than uh, the uh, the Force Awakens in a lot of ways. Cause wow. At least it, it seemed to come up with some original storylines and uh, and not, instead of just retreading what had come before. But then it has this this um, uh, subplot where they go to this casino planet that just stopped the film dead for me that sequence was so horrible yeah. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, it yeah. got it, it it killed what could have been a perfect movie in a lot of ways um so yeah i, I love i you know, i thought rogue one was all i thought that was great i thought that was you know that's one of my all-time favorite star wars movies so yeah i've always loved science fiction and fantasy as well as horror, I like horror the best. But yeah, I'm, I've always enjoyed the you know, Lord of the Rings movies and Harry Potter's, as well as you know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Zombie and you know all those movies. So uh, with that, <clears throat> with that in mind, what is a movie from your childhood other than King Kong that it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. It doesn't matter you know in in what format. You will always watch. Mm, like if I'm channel surfing and I have yeah. to come across you it, just come across. Uh, it and say, oh, geez, that I'm going to watch that. Oh, so many, you know, uh, Jaws, The Omen, The Exorcist, wow. uh, yeah. those films. Even non-horror movies, like if Ghostbusters, Godfather is on. You know, if I'm channel surfing, even though if I've seen those movies a million times, you know, I I stop and to. Uh, you know, watch them again. I, I, I don't know why, but I'm flashing on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> I uh, with you on The Godfather, though. Oh, The Godfather's great. Uh-huh. Yeah, any any time. Yeah. You can, I get my uh-huh. compass from The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Me and the Quiet Man. There you go. <laughs> I, yeah, I just think that, mm. I mean, once upon a time, there were gatekeepers. There were people that would sort of, there was a slush pile that people would go through. Right. And now I feel like so often people, if they get rejected from the slush pile, they just go, well, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, Because yeah, it's yeah. all there for you, yeah. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And that's and I, yeah, true. On one hand, I think that's that's good that anyone can make something. On the other sure. hand, it's tough sometimes because it's it's your. Some people are made to be filmmakers, and some people aren't. Right, and, some, right. and so mm-hmm. when there's so much of this going on, it's 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 hard. 
it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff. You it know? is. Um, you know, we're in, mm-hmm. we're in we're in Oscar. Well, we're in the awards season right now. Not just Oscar, but Golden Globes and everything uh, is going on right now. And uh, mm-hmm. those sh- those award shows really show um, what I don't know. The establishment pays attention to. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I feel like. It'd be nice if everything was equal and and any everything that was good bubbled to the top. But, right. But with most award seasons, there are campaigns. You don't win a Stoker Award without a campaign from your publisher. Right. Same exactly. thing with an Oscar or a Golden Globe. Yeah, right. So now it becomes who has the deepest pockets to afford all the advertising. Yeah, and I just exactly. Yeah. I'd love to see that revert back to just never mind. Here's quality. It's like. Politics. <laughs> who has the most money to yeah, get the most ads out? Yeah. Um, you say you're doing a lot of film festivals now. Are you still doing cons? Yes. Um, uh, in 2016, I was hired by Monster Palooza uh, in Los Angeles to put together their panels and um, moderate, MC their shows. And it was uh, it was wonderful being back. I hadn't been at a con- done a convention since. Uh, I think 2009, maybe. Yeah, I think that might have been the last Fangoria convention. And since Fangoria folded, um, it, it, of course, the conventions ended, and I hadn't been on the convention beat in, in like I said, at, at least seven years, maybe longer. And and Monster Palooza is the best horror convention out there. It's it huge. Really um, yeah, last April there was uh, 15,000 people there. Wow. So I do two shows a year for them, and uh, it's they're just. It's everything the Fangoria conventions ever were, and more. You know, it's uh, really exciting. Great okay. being part of it. I I just want to say that like Monster Palooza for me is like the thing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it above all other conventions. That's the convention that I I love the most. Yeah, I haven't been to Chiller or Dragon mm-hmm. Con in a long time, but yeah. those are those are pretty great cons too. But I agree, Monster Palooza is great because you get to see like meet the people who are well, maybe not actors, but like the effects guys. It's equal and, parts. It's equal parts convention and trade show. Right. And uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Tony, that I I I I have to tell you, I was like, man. That is the shit for me. Monster Palooza is my mecca. Yeah, it, it it really is. I mean, like, where else can you go? And you go to the bar, and you sit in in and you talk to folks like Greg Kamen. Mm-hmm. You you talk to legends in your world. Legends in my world. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like. Well, you know, I remember. God, I forget the year. It must have been mid-80s. A convention that Fango did in San Jose, California. And uh, Bruce Mm -hmm. Campbell was there, Linnea Quigley, and a lot of people ended up not showing up. And just watching Bruce Campbell shill for hours on end. (laughs) And uh, Linnea... Was that the the place where where, uh, you got the the photo with him with your kids? It might have been. Um, But And Linnea was given Mm -hmm. a... uh, Scream Queen had a scream thing, <laughs> and they were doing anything to keep yeah. people. And I would just thought, man, this guys, these guys are working overtime. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's, for an that's, hour. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, he would do. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he walked up on stage, 
and, and do a somersault or something. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he did whatever he could to get people to you know to entertain people, and it yeah. was it was it was pretty great. And that's what I loved about the uh-huh. cons is I remember back in the day meeting you know Tony Perkins and Roddy McDowell. I always bring up watching Roddy McDowell at a Fango Con sign stuff for hours, and if you would have offered him money for the signature, he would have been offended. Yeah. Flash forward. To yeah. It's so different. It's so different it's now. So I know. Tony, it's really you, sad. Were you able to? Uh, um, were you able to attend the famous monsters convention? No, I wish I was. The, the one that Fari was. Uh, they did a, the first one with Fari. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, wait. Uh, yes, I, I did. I did go to the first ever famous monsters con- convention at the Hotel Commodore. I think it was in '73 or '74, yes. and that's where I met Fari for the first time. Yeah, I was there. Yep. Wow. Man, I remember as yeah. a kid. I remember as a kid just like looking at that and just like, whoa, <laughs> like, 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 like that would have been the. Uh, I grew up in a place where if you told people that you wanted to go to a horror convention, you might as well be saying, "I want to go to Mars." Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and so. Uh-huh. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what I call the secondary revenue stream of conventions, where now it's, it's, I just saw one of the Walking Dead actors, um, actresses, um, with a sign on her table that said, meet and greet $10. And when I asked what that was, she shook my hand and said, hello, <laughs> 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really, really depressing, uh, the way things have changed. You know, when I, one of the great things about the Fangori conventions, they were in an era where the stars didn't charge for autographs. You know, they were there to promote a new movie or a TV show, or we paid them an appearance fee to come down and part of their appearance fee, you know, hey, you have to sign autographs and take pictures. And that was all ruined. Um, well, I think Schiller Theater was the one who first was one of the first cons to do it. But also when eBay emerged and, you know, that autograph stuff was selling for gazillions of dollars on, on, on auction sites and, uh, and then the, the baseball uh, tr- trading card shows and the, the, the sports shows where the celebrities would, you know, charge you to sign, sign, sign your hockey puck or, hockey puck or football. football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it was a combination of things and it just changed the whole, um, the, the canvas of this horror conventions. Now they're just big flea markets for, uh, autograph, uh, mm-hmm. hounds and, and has been celebrities who, you know, pretty much a lot of them are raping their fans. It's, it's very depressing. That, but that's one of the great things about Monster Palooza is we're kind of turning back the clock and doing, you know, having panels and presentations where, uh, you know, the studios, the studio will bring in, say, Jennifer Tilly, for example, and she'll sign for two hours for free and take your picture. And she, she doesn't want your money. She just wants you to go and yeah. see her movie or, yeah, or yeah, buy yeah. her movie when it's out. So, so I'm trying to bring some of that back. It's, it's very difficult because, you know, some of these celebrities have gotten very greedy and they want, they, mm-hmm. you know, they want to be able to charge 50 bucks an autograph. Oh, um, um, I, it's, it's, but then I can't blame them because, you know, I remember going to shows where, you know, the, the 
like for example, I remember a convention where Ray Harryhausen was the guest, and wow. and, and a fan came up to him with a, like a hundred stills for him to sign, and he was such a gentleman. He was signing each and every one, even for movies he didn't work on. He'd be signing away, and signing <laughs> away, um, and and now you know the, the you know. Uh, you know, fans will take that and sell it on uh, eBay, mm-hmm. and and the celebrity doesn't get a piece of that. Well, you yeah. know, like, you, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, you know, back in the day, whenever you saw that fan coming up and do that, that that guy or that kid or that girl, they weren't going to part with any of that shit. Maybe, they, they, maybe, you know. but there was also the autograph sellers and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I remember Wizard in Sacramento. You walk up, shake his hand, say hello, take a picture with Thor, four hundred bucks. It's, it's disgusting. It it's really is. Like, but, you know, these actors need, but like, like you know, the, the, those actors need the money. You know, they get twenty million dollars per movie, and they, you know, they have, they, they have to to uh, rate their fans like that. They it's don't it's, need it's really well, no, they don't exactly. So why do they do it? Well, I don't, I don't get it. Kid, you know. Guys. I think Margot Kidder needs well, it. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, yeah. is uh, and we've talked about this before in the show, but the idea of, um, real briefly, I'm a con promoter. I need to get my seed money, so I'm going to go to local mm-hmm. vendors who come in and sell their tchotchkes or their artwork or right. their, their jewelry. But when the audience gets there, they don't care about that stuff because what's going to impress the people around the water cooler? This little necklace I bought? or this picture of me and Thor. So the small vendor gets sidelined, even though he's the money, he's provided the money to get you there. Exactly. And they ended up, I know so Mm. many people now that don't do conventions anymore because it's like, I don't make money. Right. Because everyone's out lining up to get their picture taken, you know, with, with, whoever, whoever, Galen Ross again. Even, even Elvira, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And it bums me out. It really bums me out. I, we do a lot of mm-hmm. conventions up here, and it's just, you know, you see people um, that are, again, bringing all of this stuff, and it's hard to separate who's the real fan that's just trying to get all of his stuff signed right? and who's the entrepreneur trying to... How many people on my Facebook feed are just... They go to convention after convention, and the and the, the biggest thing that they get out of it is, I got a picture with... You know this guy from Ken The Walking Dead, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and uh, and there's not to pick on Ken. No, but there's so much more there. Yeah, you know? I know, it's yeah. like if you're a real ever, fan. Did I ever tell you when the, I met Ken Foree at a San Diego Comic Con, and he, when I told him that I had written for you, Tony, he immediately started telling me like, "Tell Tony." <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to like uh, yeah, they yeah, me to <laughs> convention <laughs> yeah, easy buddy I just yeah. um, I will say that at last year's Crypticon he was he was uh, a gentleman and was very nice and and took the time to talk to me and yeah. where I could easily see him being like you know fuck you I don't want yeah. yeah well you know it's like I yeah He's a, he's he's a very really lovable uh, yeah, Ken. He's a nice guy. Very you know, re, re, very driven to you know do the shows and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But he gives the, he's 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 great with the fans. He really is. 
Yeah. And he's very he's good he's great on stage and uh, some of these guys are just so much fun on stage that sure. uh, they work the money or work the the, the nagging. <laughs> I uh over the years we both sort of become friends with Amplis and Amplis has coming on to talk about gangster films. That's going to be so cool. I don't know, I'm, I'm so episode. looking forward to that. Um but again there's they you know there's like a secondary revenue stream for all of these people yeah you know when it gets down yeah. to like I was the third biker in you know Dawn of the Dead werewolves on wheel <laughs> I was the guy on <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious with, with your background where do you see where do you see genre going do is it further fragmented is it further uh, this deluge or does at some point people start getting tired of it and just gravitating towards the quality? Uh, I think they'll gravita- gravitate towards the quality. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard as a proven moneymaker, so this, you know, look what it grossed, you know, almost, uh, I think, over 700 million worldwide, which is the most successful horror movie of all time. So there's, there ain't no stop in horror, that's for sure. You know, horror films are cheaper to make than any other, pretty much any other genre. There's huge profits to be made in, in horror. And I don't see that ever slowing down. More, you know, I think we'll get, continue to see more horror than ever uh, And now that there's so many platforms to deliver it. And we see it be, being such a huge success on Netflix and these streaming services. People have an insatiable uh, a thirst for, for scary stuff. You know, I think we're just going to keep it. Just there, there, there's no end in sight, which is a great thing for us. That's for sure. Yeah, I hope. I hope. Yeah, you know, we part of the show is we review trailer films, and so often as I try to cut trailer film the number of them down to something manageable. It's always the genre film that gets sidelined because it's like I, I watch the trailer and I think. We've seen this before. We've seen this, this before. Is, this yeah. is what we, you know, the 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 Conjuring, sin, sinister, whatever, right? Uh, yeah, well, mm-hmm. insidious or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so much of it is uh, derivative of the movie that came out last year. It's not even like derivative of like you know classics or yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's derivative of what you know was popular last year. Um. Are there any things that you see coming up that you're excited about? Hmm. That I've seen that hasn't come out yet. Um, no, or even something recently. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. While you think of that, I'm going to uh, and say that, that the fact <laughs> that Shape of Water is getting nominations and and genre is starting. I'm, yeah, I'm so excited. Good. I'm so excited that, that both bodes well. uh, Shape of Water and Get Out are nominated at the at the Oscars. Look at yeah, up. yeah. Let's talk about your diversity. Now, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thirteen cool. nominations. For, it's it's really exciting it's and. Awesome. Um. Yeah. It it feels but, weird when to say you know Academy Award and and horror to, together, but right. it also feels pretty. I know. Yeah, it feels yeah, pretty. It, feels good. Good. it sure does, and and uh, and you know, and it looks like you know this movie uh, by Guillermo is going is the front winner to win the Oscars. I have a really good feeling that. Uh, you know, come Oscar time, uh, we're going to see uh, the the world's biggest monster fans accepting. Uh, best picture and best director, and 
you know, I think we're all going to feel a sense of pride when that yeah, happens. Man, that would be amazing. I, I, I just, I, in my head though, I'm like preparing myself. I'm like, I'm going to be standing there yelling at the TV. <laughs> well, you know, did you see what Guillermo mm. said after he got all the nominations about monsters and how? Oh yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, so it was so good. Yeah, and it was like, and it spoke to like I have the hairs on the back of my neck are are standing up talking uh, about it. And it makes it. We've talked about it before. How he was going supposedly slated to head the uh, dark universe, the the universal dark universe thing. Awesome. Um, He's the guy. The Matt seems to have gone by the wayside, but wouldn't he be perfect? Yeah. Can you Um, imagine El Toro Frankenstein? Well, I'm excited. I'm just reading how they're pushing forward with the Bill Condon Bride of Frankenstein. That would be oh, and I'm, I, I'm so. Oh, excited. really? Oh, because I know that that had stalled, yeah. uh, but it's back on track again. It seems to be. There was an article that they were gathering money to try to do it, like the same way Guillermo did with Return of the Creature. Right? It's like, well, you don't want it, so I'm going to tweeze my script a little bit to yeah, make yeah, it yeah. unrecognizable, and then we'll move on from there. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I think the Bill Condon Bride of Bill? Frankenstein would be great. Yeah, um, I read mm-hmm. that it's um, that they want to do it very her centric, not like she's the squeeze sure, for the monster. Exactly, it's all like her journey. That's I'm, the way to I'm do in. it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me about the horror equity fund. Yeah, that's uh, something uh, I became involved with last spring. Um, it's a new startup company. Uh, they have a slate of horror projects uh, that they're putting together the, the financing on now. Um, I've been uh, reading material and, making, and, and bringing talent on board, and uh, uh, it's very exciting. Um, they're, uh, yeah, they have something on Start Engine right now that's in its closing days of fundraising. At, uh, you, know, you can find out more at horrorequityfund.com. Uh, but, you know, I'm really hoping that uh, this will be a new uh, choice for horror fans uh, the horror and, and people trying to um, make movies, trying to raise money for movies. You know, this could be like the uh, central station for, um, you know, all things horror if, if all goes right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to you know be serving as their vice president and trying to get movies made. You know, I bought... Uh, uh, Eric read into the company uh, uh, a week or so ago, and we made an announcement about uh, uh, coming together as executive producers of his new film. It's called White Knuckle, and it's a really a return to the movies that he was doing uh, with The Hitcher and Near Dark, a real uh, road-driven uh, uh, suspense horror film. So, uh, yeah, I'm in a good place with them right now, and uh, you know, I look forward to... Uh, you know, having more announcements to some other some other people we're going to be bringing in. So go ahead. I, I was going to say that's amazing and awesome. I wanted to ask you, you know, as for lack of a better word, journalist, we, we're essentially professional fans, and I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of kids growing up reading famous monsters um, grew up to make movies. And has that ever yeah. been? Has that ever been part of you, like your dream, or have you been content in in covering what other people are doing? Um, I'm sorry, I got a little lost there. Uh, <laughs> in your question, I'm sorry. Basically, do you want to make movies, Tony? 
Oh, do I? Yes, I definitely would like to make movies. Uh, that's uh, that's a natural progression for me. You know, I've spent you know so much of my life writing about movies and championing other uh, people's movies, distributing movies with Fangoria, um, and now uh, yeah, I'm right. I've been really itching to make make my own films, not as a director, but but as a producer. I like finding uh, material. Uh, falling in love with material and attaching directors to it, and uh, you know I like or to or driven uh, horror movies, so you know, I'm trying to get you know some of those kind of people involved. So yeah, that's definitely the direction I want to go in. I want to be producing films. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. a, that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I'm always happy to hear about people making that transition, especially when they've got. I call it time in the chair. Like they they have this wealth of stuff yeah. now to pull. You know from. what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to you know, I ran into filmmakers I recently who said you know I don't watch films in black and white, and I'm like, <laughs> wow. But having yeah, that, that's that, scary. That I know, right? Right. Having that palette to choose from, you know, it, it. I try to do that in the stuff that I do. It's. It's what did Picasso say about genius is the ability to hide who you steal from. Exactly. And I steal from everybody. Everybody. And I think that's, <laughs> that's a way to make make what you're doing both new but also time-worn. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So I, I'm going to go back to a, the HEF just for a second. It's a – so it's a it's – a, it's not crowdsourcing, right? It, it is – it's, it's – There a, is a – no, there, there is – there is an element of crowdsourcing into it, uh, in it, but it's on a whole other level. You know, the people who who uh, donate um, are they get a piece of equity in the movie. They're not just getting a T-shirt; they're actually getting get a return on investment. So, if you invest a hundred dollars, say you're going to get something back uh, from that when that movie is made. So, uh, that That's it's great. it's a, you know a step above um, you know the the. Yeah, you know the, the other crowdsourcing efforts well, that are so out it's there. Kind of, it's kind of like getting points on the film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wow. um, the website explains it a lot better than me. Uh, HorrorEquityFund.com, and right now they're in there. I think there's two days to go on the initial uh, fundraising on the first uh, slate of movies. So if, you know, if anyone's curious, they think, you know they could go over there, uh, HorrorEquityFund.com, and there's a link to the start start up engine. And that again explains it in a lot, a lot more eloquently than I can explain it. Well, I That's see really names. Cool. Uh, yeah, I see names floating around. I know Mick was involved. I want to say, wasn't David Scow involved? No, not yet. Not yet. Nothing. Not nothing's been announced. Okay. Um, uh, in terms of the people I've brought on board, who's that? you know, right now they are big. A big, you know, a big biggest acquisition is this. Um, uh, Eric Red project called White Knuckle. That's, I think that's our biggest uh, acquisition right now. But there's going to be a lot more uh, in the in the months ahead. Man, that guy. I'm opening up my re- I'm opening up my Rolodex and making lots of phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to tour your Rolodex. Your Rolodex, right? <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Eric is great. I I I his hitcher. I mean those big. Expansive Man, long shots. That's, that's, that's like John Ford film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. was trying for that, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. just I, I love that great. movie. I was so sad when they remade it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, yeah. This is a mess. 
<laughs> that was awful. What What are your thoughts on that about remakes and redos? Like so many people are so quick to shit on them, but on the other hand, we've had a couple. I mean, it. You mentioned it. It is a prime right. example. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Dawn of the Dead remake was good because, you know, it was different in so many ways. So uh, I, I, I thought the Friday the 13th remake was kind of fun. Um, but other uh, most of the remakes are really, really just awful. Yeah, um, the one you just mentioned, plus, uh, oh, gosh, Prom Night, The Stepfather. Uh, oh, just so many dreadful I will, ones. I will stand by the effects in the Evil Dead remake. Even though that was a, st- well, it was yeah. a stupid Yeah, movie. that was okay. jaw-dropping. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was okay. You know, it wasn't painful. Uh, but it was one of the better remakes because they, they pretty much went in a different direction. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the, just the last act was kind of weak. Agreed. Um, I'm not talking about story. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, like, like they did one thing right in that, and that was the yeah, That was the effects, yeah. Um, yeah. So when they go with in a different direction, I I don't mind. When it's just a, you know a slavish kind of remake that's just doing the same stuff, like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, I thought was awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Psycho remake, of course, was did, you know an abomination. Watched, did anybody watch the Poltergeist remake? You know, I've, I haven't seen it. I have a copy of it, but I haven't uh, I haven't watched Tom's it yet. I've been like, afraid to. I don't even remake? remember this. Sam Rockwell is the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I haven't uh, watched it because I have screw that. I, I have cut out that part of my I brain. Love Jesus, the first movie. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, because of uh, where you are, and this is this is purely uh, this is purely just Langley like satisfying his own curiosity. <laughs> Um, were you buds with Don Doler? Friends, um, I didn't know. You know, I think I might have spoken to him to, to him once or twice when I first started at Fangorian. We might have uh, thrown a mention of his movies in the magazine back then, but no, I wasn't friends with him. Don, Don's one of I those did, guys. Well, uh, well, because uh, 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 Cinemagic, you know, grew out of um, mm-hmm. Starlog and 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 that and that was yeah, that was probably my. Favorite magazine of all time uh, during those years was because this was telling you how to do shit. You know, it's like as a filmmaker, yeah. I'm just like, oh my god, you know, I need more of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I also remember a con, a con, uh, costume contest that I want to say Bur- Burrell and Tim Gore won. Oh yeah, and then they went on to work in Hollywood. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember. Yeah, I see Tim Gore's. Uh, he's at every Monster Palooza show. He's a vendor now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Isn't that weird? It's <laughs> yeah. Like, we just had a situation where we covered these sculptors, the Shiflets, uh, for Carpenoctum, and we just had them on the show. And it was, it was really weird to see like this progression down the road. Um, so what are you working on now? I mean, you're doing the stuff with the HEF. Mm. Right, right. Uh, Monster Palooza. I'm also the co-director of international programming for Montreal's Fantasia Film Festival, which yeah. now is in its 22nd year. Uh, I also help program the New York City Horror Film Festival for Dread Central. I run there. Uh, I do some writing for them, and I also uh, run their uh, national screening series, where we, you know, have free sneak previews of new horror movies. Um, you know, we do we do those in New York and L.A. Sometimes we do them in Chicago and Austin as well. Um, I just launched a Twitter uh, feed at, at 
Tony Timpone one uh, that uh, uh, I'm having some fun with. And let's see what else I have going. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Sidebar on that. Yeah, uh, we've had both Miguel and Steve Barton on on the show before, and those, they're uh-huh. talk about one of us, right? Yeah, those guys. Pure love of film. <laughs> they love showing it to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aces. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no problem. So uh, yeah, so I got a lot to keep me busy. Yeah, right, uh, right now I'm starting to get into Fantasia mode. That's going to be in July, and uh, yeah, I, I book a lot of their films. So uh, a lot to do there. And uh, um, Monster Palooza, the April edition is fast approaching. That'll be at the Pasadena Convention Center, April 13th to 15th. Oh Got some great guests God. coming down for that. Right on. Tobin yeah. Bell will be there. Wow. Hey. Uh, yeah, Tobin Bell's one of the big guests. So uh, yeah, as if you were if you were not involved with the convention, if you were a fan, um, Monster Palooza or Son of Monster Palooza, Pasadena or Burbank, which one do you go to? Well, uh, if I had a choice and could only go to one, I would go to Pasadena because it's just so huge. So big. It's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. but both are great. The nice thing about uh, Son of Monster Palooza, it's scaled back, so you could actually um, get through the dealer's room in a few hours as opposed to taking 10 hours to make right. your way through the whole yeah. thing. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's yeah. very cool. Well, dude, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We are pretty much done here. Uh, you, uh, thanks, you, Tom. You gave me – you made my dream come true. And I'm going to blow some smoke <laughs> for a minute. When uh, you agreed, like, yeah, go ahead and write this up for the magazine, dude, I can't even tell you. You were like, yes. I was, so, I was so stoked. And over the years, you well, I was always like, impressed. Uh, I was always impressed what you were doing with Copy Noctum. So uh, I always like to get good writers into the magazine. I always strove to, you know, until, get get people in who knew their stuff. And until one of them shows up, I I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, of course. Well, anyway, thank you so much, dude, for coming on. Um, we'd love to have you on again, and uh, this time we'll talk about Psycho or something. What, whatever, whatever you want, want, Tony. With that's what we'll talk. Uh, about. thanks, guys. I appreciate, it, buddy. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, we are going to be back in just one second. <laughs> Okay, so we always yeah. say this when we, we we come back. It's like it's awesome. <laughs> it's I love Tony. Awesome. Tony's great. Tony's a guy who I met year, years ago in the, back in the late 80s. 
and he was in his suit at a Fango convention just showing people this world of wonders yeah. and um I've always appreciated that. That's the that's the great thing is like it, almost always whenever we get a a, a, a guest on who um, is is cut from the same cloth as yeah. we are. It's like if nothing else, it's a wonderful walk down memory lane. Well, you know, it's you one of those things where it's like it's we. There's a reason we always end up back at King Kong. Yeah. There's a reason we always end up back at highlighting the t- TV guide. Right. You know, because it's this common. Yeah, cool that absolutely. We, that we, we yeah. From. yeah, just great. And again, it's an always a great an opportunity just to sit near someone and have them talk and yeah. listen to them and sort of gain their perspective. It's always great. Uh, moving on to the second hour stuff. <clears throat> Lots, man, people dropping. Like, what wow. the hell, 2018? <laughs> Stop it. Um, We're going to, you know, and, and the sad thing is. It's going to be, this is the new norm, right? Because mm-hmm. we're all of a certain age. Yeah, and yeah. Like we're watching well, a certain our... age, you're able to remember, like, oh, yeah, right. that guy. And there's yeah. a couple of these in here. Uh, we're going to start with Robert Dowdell. He was an actor who, um, he passed away. He was an actor on Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Right. Um, By the way, what a cool show. What a cool show. What a cool show. I want, when I was a kid, I wanted one of those sea view toys yeah. so bad yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. where it opened up and you had the flying sub or whatever it yes. was the shit yeah um Jeremy Inkle member of Frontline Assembly if you've ever heard Frontline Assembly the yeah. big industrial band yeah 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 he passed Simon Shelton passed he was a guy who is best known for playing Tinky Winky on the Teletubbies yeah fairly young weird uh, this will hit you, I know, and I don't know if you saw this, but Jim um, Rodford, he's the bass player for bands like Argent and the Kinks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're a big Kinks fan. Yeah. Uh, and, and also a big Argent fan. You know, Argent, you know, everybody remembers, um, you know, uh, 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 Hold Your Head Up. Uh-huh. Um, but they also... So much good there stuff. There was so much good stuff. Now, that was their big hit. They also had a hit with, uh, a, a minor hit with... Uh, what is it? God gave rock God gave rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, heard to great effect in like Bill and Ted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great song. There's a couple more. Rod Argent was a big deal back Rod then. Argent, dude, you know? one of the people that don't get name checked often, but should. Agree. Kind of like, kind of like Ronnie Montrose. You know. Uh, Montrose. Yeah. Montrose is a great guitar player. Yeah, yeah. He he, growing up when I was you know a young Tom. And learning guitar, it was like, yeah, yeah Ronnie, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie is the shit. Um, let's see, Olivia Cole, she was an actress in things like Roots and Backstairs at the White House. Uh huh. Um, and then now we hit the big ones. First up, um, Mark E. Smith. Mark E. Smith, man, The Fall is one of those bands that, like, you you got them or you didn't get them. Mm-hmm. And, but and really, I mean, to be honest, the fall was always just Marky e. Smith and whoever the fuck was playing with him, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this this was a band that like would start a show with four band members, and by the end of the show, there was four completely different people, drafting <laughs> <laughs> people like, out of the crowd because yeah, because like nobody could put up with Marky's 
stuff, but but they were hugely prolific. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys cranked, uh, he cranked out albums. Yeah. Like, like, He's like the dude from Red House Painters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making new bands to for all of the, yeah. all the product. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hugh Masakella, South African yeah. jazz trumpeter. That was a big deal. A monster player. Yeah. That guy is a monster. Um, and, 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 and also a huge activist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I don't know if people remember, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if people remember his name, but he was he was huge. Yeah, huge. yeah, yeah. I, I lump him in with people like Ierdo Moriari and his wife, Flora Purim. Sure. You know, just really bringing a lot of uh, uh South American influences yes. to a lot of the, or, yeah, and in yeah, this yeah. case, South African influences. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, Warren Miller, documentary uh, filmmaker, local boy. Local boy. Uh, um, if you've ever seen those slow motion footage of guys skiing down mountains. And good God, how many films of skiing did he make? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like yeah. Just, yeah. Skiing and snowboarding. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was all... Music by Offspring. He was like the he was like the Jacques Cousteau yeah, of skiing of skiing. Yeah. yeah, and it was always with Warren Miller. It was always like we found this incredibly steep mountain that we're going to make gyms <laughs> ski down. It's it's like it's like uh, mutual of Omaha. Yes, yeah. instead, like instead of like Jim's going to go wrestle this giant snake while I sit in this helicopter. Yeah. Jim's gonna like we're gonna drop him out of a helicopter. Fucking mountain, yeah, fucking crazy. Uh, and then the two big ones this year. One was Ursula Le Guin, yes, an author, hugely important in the fantasy world, absolutely sci-fi world. Um, and another one of those people that are great advocates for all of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, for me, uh, the big one was Jack Ketchum, Jack AKA Ketchum. Dallas Mayor. Yeah. Jack was a guy who, if you haven't read his book Off Season, Jesus, it's brutal. Yeah. He was the guy who you, like Ed Lee, when you start to read him, you go, this guy wants to hurt me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a bad way. It's like, yeah, it's the it's the author or the director who does not have your best interests in mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's there to, to fuck you up. I met him, Jack, at uh, several conventions, and it was always the same. Outside, smoking. (laughs) And uh, he had this, like a good-looking man, but he had this sort of grizzled, I've seen the inside of some bars look to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, had a great voice. Uh, But yeah, his books, Girl Next Door, Off Season, fucking amazing. Off Season, in particular, Mm -hmm. is the shit. They tried to make it, uh, well, they kind of spun it off with the woman... Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's they they tried to do off season as a film once and it didn't turn out well. Sure. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Moving on to news. Not a lot this week. Um, Indiana Jones Five coming in 2020. Spielberg, what? Spielberg announced that if as long as they can keep Harrison Ford from dropping dead, yeah, um, they may do this. And I don't know that we need a Indiana Jones in his 70s. But, I don't. Sure. Okay. I mean. It, you know the way the way to do it would be to go a completely different route. He's not like fighting bad guys. He's you know he, he, he wrestling that, a colostomy well, that's, bag. That, something that's appropriate to you know his age. I really liked his turn in in uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Absolutely, because it was perfect. It was like mm-hmm. this is what an old dude would 
be like, you know, mm -hmm. and and uh, and I and, and I dug it. So if they go with something like that, it, then that yeah. would be cool. Yeah. I, I I hopefully Shia I do know that Shia LaBeouf is not okay. Good. Yeah. There's yeah. there's none of that. Um, Princess State says new music coming from the what I have heard is hundreds of unreleased records. Yeah, that's what that's what I hear too is that there's just hours and hours and hours of shit. Well, if you go on YouTube and look for Kevin Smith Prince, he tells a story about how right after Dogma, Prince contacted him and wanted him to shoot a documentary on the release of one of his records. Yeah. And uh, supposedly at Paisley Park, it, every room was mic'd and every room was recorded. Yeah, and, and it kind of, and, and, and unfortunately that project kind of turned into, he wanted him to do a uh, documentary like on, on what church did he belong to? Uh, Jehovah's Witness? Yeah. I, witness, I, I think so. But, but yeah, listen, to the, the Kevin Smith story is amazing. It's amazing. But it's also where it allowed him, Prince, to go get an idea, sing it, and know that it was captured somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. that, and so who knows what's, what yeah. that's going to be. Man, the Prince story and the Superman story, that yeah. is my, yeah, my yeah, yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once you can get through the self-promotion machine that is Kevin Smith. He's sure. got some... He's, he's been got in some the room. great stories. He's been in the room on yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, this director, Mike Flanagan, he did Gerald's Game. Yeah. Um, I guess he's... Which I still haven't seen, but but from I all hear accounts, great stuff. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Even people that are that are sort of... That were worried about... a lot. Of, I know a lot of people in the bondage community were like, uh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned out that they did a fairly well short yeah. film. Anyway, he's directing um, The Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep. Oh, cool. Um, didn't read it, but... I read it. Um, it's like a lot of later King stuff. It's like, there's, there's, you know, the fire's still there, but it's... Mm -hmm. It's not burning as bright. In my opinion. Right, right. Uh, Michael Bay... Is in talks with John Cena to do a, nuke, a Duke Nukem movie. If this was 1995, it makes all the money. Yeah. But it's not 1995, and I don't know that anyone cares anymore. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't have in 1995. John either. Cena in a weird blonde flat top. <laughs> you know. I don't saying, know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sure. I, again, you know, it's for me. It's like comic book movies. It's like. Movies based on video games rarely, rarely do good well. Idea. Resident Evil, but even that spun all over the place. Yeah, that got, Silent Hill that all crazy kind of worked. Man, the, the first Silent Hill I'm all about. But yeah. it, beyond that, I don't care. And then on the other hand, you got things like Doom, which was fucking horrible. Horrible. You know, so one one awesome creature though. Yeah. That Brian Steele was was kicking ass as a suit performer. I don't even know what the fuck that thing's called, but that that big ass, whatever it was. Right, 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 right. I just remember, you know, the Rock going, "I was supposed to, I wasn't supposed to die in this," and he gets ripped <laughs> off, and you're just like, Ugh. "Let's see." Um, this bummed me out, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but I don't know why. Neil Diamond announcing that he's quitting touring due to Parkinson's. Yeah. Well, I mean, so Neil Diamond's one of those guys that like kind of spans all genres mm -hmm. like 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 I I know people who 
who are metalheads. Right. And well, they love Neil Diamond. They'll, yeah, they'll listen to Neil Diamond. And, uh, I mean, this guy, he was... he. <laughs> Neil Diamond was in the last waltz. Yeah, you know he's huge. Yeah, I, uh, he's huge. And I I just saw a video of him live, and he wa- They did a cat. They had a catwalk behind the stage. Yeah, and he went to the people. He walked to the back, facing the people behind the stage, going like, "Did you buy tickets to this? Like, look at what well, you can't see anything." So he performs "Play Me." To them, to them. That's and cool. And it's like Jesus. That's no fucking cool. Um, He's ahead. he. Uh, uh, for me, of all the Brill Building uh, uh, songwriters, mm-hmm. um, Carol King, Neil Sedaka, those guys that 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 then became performers. I, for me, he's the icon. He's the guy sure. that like did the best. And um, he, uh, uh, people forget, you know, that he he wrote. Um, I'm a believer for mm-hmm. the monkeys. He wrote Red Red Wine. Yeah. You know, yep. I, it, like you go through his like greatest hits co- collection and you're like, "Whoa." Yeah, whoa, exactly. Whoa, whoa. Uh I remember working at a what used to be called Record Factory. We had a Bass or a Ticketmaster outlet and Neil Diamond tickets would go on sale and we would get this line of soccer moms bitchy soccer moms who didn't understand why I know the tickets went on sale a month ago but why can't I sit right up front <laughs> well it doesn't work that way um, but rabidly loyal fan base yeah. and a buddy of mine who works for Bill Graham says that he's worked reggae shows he's worked rap shows yeah. and nowhere has there been more that's pot smoking than at a Neil Diamond and uh, in the backstage of Neil Diamond smoked a lot of weed I hear yeah, yeah, yeah. well and that's why that's why this is kind of a drag because he he clearly loved performing mm-hmm. loves performing mm-hmm. and so for something to be taking him out it's a big deal you know yeah I mean he's still going to record he's just not going to tour right you know, right. and it brings to mind uh, there was a documentary that was, oops, sorry that was on Netflix about um, the decline of Glenn Campbell. Right, and oh this my, feels oh kind of the God. same way. Yeah, yeah, I can't that watch it. That is such it. a hard I movie. Oh, it's it. so hard. I just know it's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's beautiful and awful at the same sure. time. Sure. Yeah, well, uh, it's any. I mean, when you see that guy play. You know, and you realize just how good he was, and, yeah. that, and um, to see all that go away has got to be because he he had died of Alzheimer's. Yeah, so, yeah. By the way, um, today I was listening to uh, an interview with Bill Withers, wow. and uh, uh, it's a few years old. It's it's uh, it, it, I think it came out around the time as the documentary still mm-hmm. Bill, and uh, I can I could listen to that guy, <laughs> I like. Talk, sing, yeah, yeah, yeah. breathe. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That that is a dude who who if there I I'm I'm not a religious guy. Yeah. But if there was if if there was ever an argument to be made for somebody who was kissed by God, that <laughs> that guy, Bill Withers, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good stuff. So good. Um but you know, it's again it goes like back to what you were saying about how as time goes on, yeah, you know, with yeah. the, the Fight Club line about on a long enough timeline, everyone's survival rate drops to zero. And That's correct. And you just to see these people sort of, you know, go and decline. The the ro- recent Rosemary thing was heartwarming in that, right? 
at least before she died, she was to- told how much people loved her. Yeah. And that, I think that's really important. But, yeah, I Neil s- Diamond. I see where uh, Elton John... Same thing. Elton, Elton John, uh, <laughs> Leonard Skinner... Leonard Skinner. We talk, we're going to talk about the Leonard Skinner. And in the Slayer film. have all announced their farewell tours. And I was just thinking... What a fucking lineup that would be! Like what, like what a show! Like if not, like Slayer and Elton John just alone. Like, like can we have that double bill, please? Yeah, <laughs> and with Leonard Skinner in there, you know. Um, but these guys, I, Leonard Skinner. I mean, they've just been playing. They've just been touring around playing fairs and stuff. Yeah, you know. I don't. There may be one or two original. There's only there. one. There's only one original. Right. Uh, Skinner left yeah. in in the band. So the only place you can go and have someone shout "Freebird" and have it matter. Right. Exactly. Like people <laughs> care. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Freebird. That's a great <laughs> idea. Uh, let's see. The U.S. version of um, what we do in the shadows now has a home at FX. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't know. I it, I don't it, know that we need this. Yeah. I don't. I I don't think we do. I it, for me, um, you know, a lot of those things. The let's take that as an example. The New Zealand esness of mm-hmm. it is what makes it special. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like when The Office came to the United States. It was a big hit, you know. But it's different. it's not the office. It's not the office. It's yeah, not yeah, the yeah. Ricky. It always weirded me out because what we do in the shadows was such a hit. And there's a Canadian film called Vampires that's. Very similar. Very similar. And it's really funny. It's yeah. genuinely funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, we'll I, I look forward to the sequel to what we yeah, do the, the werewolf show. The werewolf ones. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. I love those guys. I think what they're doing is good stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. New Robocop is coming out. They'll, they're going to ignore the reboot, and um, it will exist in the original continuity. Okay. So whether they're... I don't know whether they're going to drag Peter Weller out or even Nancy Allen out. But somehow they're going to have it be in that same original. Okay. You know, I don't know that we need a Robocop I, movie we either. We don't. We it, it's it's. I I I don't want to be that guy, but it's like I, there's there's so much stuff that you could be doing that mm-hmm. that that doesn't have anything to do with an existing IP. Yeah. And uh, I think it comes from people who. And I'm painting with a broad brush, but it comes from people who aren't creative, seeing something that's popular and going, "Well, that'll be that'll be popular. Right. Let's just do that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to coming up with something your own. Well, damn it's like stuff. what we were talking about with Tony, like you know, talking about the the Friday the Thirteenth, you know, reboot or the or the Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. It's like stop. Yeah, we don't need. We this. don't need it. Yeah, not at all. Uh, there's a video game out, and I know you don't care, but it's called The Witcher, and it's very sort of Van Helsing-like. Okay. Um, wildly popular game. Um, Netflix is going to... One of the I films they're... The million films they're doing this year is going to be a version of The Witcher. That's crazy. And the game is cool, but um, I don't know... By the way, uh, one of the trailers that we spotlighted a, a while back, um, a... Uh, shoot, now I... Be, I We've done really good out so far on this show, and not <laughs> not having these brain farts. Um, a uh, uh, futile. Oh yeah, the the, the national lampoon thing. The national lampoon thing. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It just got released. It's, it just got released, and and I haven't seen it yet. But I talked to one of my friends, and they're like, "It's amazing." Mike Mike Carlin, who is a big wig 
at DC in the uh-huh. DC mythos. Yeah. He was just tweeting about it, saying how he really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I'm in. I'm in. Speaking of <coughs> bringing things back that doesn't make any sense, they're dusting off Candace Bergen for a Murphy Brown redo. Yeah. Does uh, anyone even remember that? Well, yeah. I get it because of the climate right now. Mm-hmm. Because Murphy Brown was was one of the ladies who huge. You know, it was like yeah. a lot of the cast is dead. Yeah, the yeah, painter yeah. dude in the past. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I would. I, I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that it is a full on assault. Yeah. To I'd love it to be like she's now. Imagine Mary Tyler Moore show right. with Murphy Brown as Ed Asner. Yeah, you know, she's oh, the yeah, yeah. the chief. I've been around, and now yeah. they start within the context of our, the modern po- political landscape. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I I'd love speaking of Ed Asner and Lou Grant. I'd love to see them do that. Take her. Take it to be like. Remember how Lou Grant was more serious? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Either one. Uh, for some reason, there are now Harry Potter-inspired river cruises. <laughs> Where you, I guess you go on and you get sorted, and it's this whole Harry Potter thing on a boat. On a river? Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like being trapped on a boat with a bunch of Harry Potter fanatics. Which isn't a bad thing. Until you're there, <laughs> and then you think, "What am I doing?" Um, and you're trapped on a boat with them. Uh, I w- sure, I will say, and I think I talked about this last year. Uh, if you haven't been to the Harry Potter experience at, mm-hmm. at Disneyland, and I guess they have one at Disney World also, um, you gotta do it. You just—it's—it's it's amazing. I'm not a huge Potter fan, but I—I I feel like I'd have a great time. You would—you would have a blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it's, all that immersive yeah. stuff, and my daughter's a huge Potter fan. So, well, I—I I will say this: I'm—I'm I'm not a big fan of rides because you know, fun, not me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that ride. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a great ride. Yeah. I'm—I'm I'm just when you say that, I just flash on one night in Bangkok. I get my I get my uh, joys above the waistline sunshine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Joe Daredevil season three has cast Joanne Wally, aka Joanne Wally Kilmer, yeah. as Sister Maggie. Who, if you know anything about, there's a arc of Daredevil stories uh, about where he ends up meeting. He's injured, and he meets a nun who rehabilitates him. The Sister Maggie re- right. rehabilitates him, and in the course of things, he learns that. Sister Maggie, spoiler, is his mom. Yeah. So I think it's a good good that they're going after, you know, time-honored sure. story arcs. Um, I don't know that we need much more of this, much more Daredevil stuff, or much more any of this. You know, do your story, then get out. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Wait ten years and do it again. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Leonard Skinner. Here's another one. Jurassic Park is doing an arena tour. What? <laughs> Where it's kind of like it's kind of like kind of like walking with dinosaurs, but yeah. they're fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be like the the worst Disney on Ice ever with dinosaurs. <laughs> It'll be like the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see Monster Brawl? Yeah. Oh yeah. God, I, I yeah. fucking love Monster, Monster Brawl. But I I get that. I mean, it's a lot of guys in these big heavy suits. You know, I 
Sure, I guess. In the same way they did this Marvel Live thing. Dude, if you're if you're if you're a dinosaur maker, right? If you're one of these guys that's making these really lifelike dinosaurs yeah. that walk around and do stuff, do you go to the guy who uh built the Ark Museum and is like <laughs> has, has you know yeah. is proposing this idea there was gladiators riding on dinosaurs yeah, you're back a in the moron. day. Yeah, you're a moron. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah, sure. It's cool artwork. Yeah, I'd love to see a book based. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the book at the top would be titled "Ain't This Some Shit." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then finally, um, St- Spielberg has put out a casting call that he wants to do West Side Story. Whoa! Whoa! Sure, I guess. First of all, Spielberg's never done a musical, to my knowledge. Right, and and so that's there's a there's a a, a check, you know, off yeah. his list. I just don't know that the world needs a movie, a musical based in fifties greaser world. Well, the the thing for me is, you know, the same thing as always. It's like Westworld is one of those perfect things for me, mm-hmm. and then like Stephen, could you not have done a a La La Land or, you know, something sure. new. Yeah. Uh, well, the music is kind of dated, too. I mean, it's Sondheim, but it's it, it's all very of its time. It'd be interesting, like, is he going to contemporize it? Is it going oh. to take, you know, that would be awful. Please right? don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's set in the L.A. gang world. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Um, it's like yeah, that, I don't know. It's like that Romeo and Juliet, Baz Luhrmann oh, did. That like, what awful. happened here? I hate that. Um, and I like I like his movies in general, uh, like, but dude. but that particular strictly ballroom is great. Strictly ballroom is great. I just um, love that stuff. Did he do Did he do Moulin Rouge? I think he yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. The one thing he didn't do that I always think that he did, and that's Priscilla. Oh, yeah. and Priscilla is a pretty great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Moving on to trailers, we'll start with Assassination Nation: Salem Witch Trial in the Age of Social Media. That's what the IMDb says. Yeah. Um, I, I. It's hard to tell from the trailer, like what. You know, it, like you know, it sets it up. You know, it's got you know, it shows perfect America, and then it shows what's really going on, and then we have this chick with swords and a mat and a flag across her face. So I don't know what. Yeah, it, I don't. I don't know the Salem witch trial thing. Is I only got from looking at the IMDb. Yeah, because I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on. I couldn't trailer. either. Um, I I think uh, this is a case of we don't know enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 so, yeah. So, I think it it is low budget. I don't think it's gonna be filling your megaplex, yeah. but it's interesting. It's well, and that's what I was gonna say is it, it, the premise, whatever that is, is <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, interesting. I I like when things point a mirror back at mm-hmm. us. You know, um, what, for some reason it reminded me of the Purge. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When one of the things I like about Black Mirror is that it does a really good job of that. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. here's how fucked up you yeah. guys are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, next up, a movie called The Cured. Ellen Page zombie film. Man, if this had been done yeah, a few I years ago, it might have made, a, made something. Although it does seem to be leaning more towards the girl with all the gifts rather than... Right. It's... It, uh, uh, 
you know, when you say zombie film, um, you know, there's there's an infection. Mm -hmm. it, it, it reminds me more of like what was going on in like 28 Days Later. Okay. Where yeah, 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 yeah. Something happens and and people are inspired to rage. You know, fuel right. violence. Right. And then it seems like they find something that puts it in remission. And and, and somebody is trying to somebody's trying to keep that down. Yeah, and this woman, Ellen Page, brings a relative who's been cured into her home. Right. And her neighbors are pissed off and yeah. you know, and clearly something goes south. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you know, sure, I guess. It looks fine. It just it just feels like it a might million make a, other things. It might make a good companion piece to something like Schwarzenegger's Maggie. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah. Next up, um, movie called Hannah. Charlotte Rampling is a woman whose husband is going to prison and she's having to deal with it. Yeah. This looks This like, looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's great in yes. everything. Yeah. But this looks very much um kind of like a downer. You know, like Oh sure. No, this does, this does not her. look like a, a fun movie. We're watching this lady deal with all of these emotions. Um, it's She's French. alone for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, almost, almost too real for comfort. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's so good in it. Just sitting there looking at the at the at the camera is just you can see it all playing out in her face. Yeah. she's so good. She's really good at that um, acting without acting. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next. Movie called I Kill Giants. Zoe Saldana um, involved in a young girl's fantasy life. It I I know nothing about this. It, it, apparently, it's based on a graphic novel. I know nothing about it, um, and and it's hard to tell from the trailer if we're to assume that the giants are real mm -hmm. or if they're something that. Sh I get the impression heads. like they're not real until they're real, and then she's the only one that can save them. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, it reminded me of things like um, Turbo Kid, Troll Hunter. Yeah, you know, it had that same kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say Todd Brown from Twitch has something to do with this. Hmm. Um, it looks it looks cool. It, it definitely looks interesting. Mm -hmm. Like I I want to check it out. Uh yeah 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 in, and again in that same vein of those other films mm -hmm. absolutely. Next up a movie called Keys to the Heart. Um it's Japanese. A boxer finds that he discovers he has an autistic brother. You know what this reminds me of? Heart of the Dragon. Yeah. With Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung, where Sammo yeah. Hung plays the the mentally challenged brother I, I mm -hmm. think and uh, I at first when I first started watching the trailer I'm like well this is a goofy comedy mm -hmm. but then it it yeah it, it gets pretty it, it gets heavy heavy yeah. at, towards the end and looks great yeah I, yeah I seems mean, like he the brother comes around and goes like no no my brother is he's different but he's cool yeah and, and kind of a Rain Man thing it's yeah. like you know at first yeah, yeah, you're yeah, just yeah, somebody yeah. to be That's exploited good, and yeah absolutely uh, next up, Josh Hartnett in a movie about a lonely woman who takes English and discovers her alternate uh, alternative ego or personality. For want a better word, it's called Oh Lucy. Yeah. Sold 100% on the female actress. 
Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Just looks like she's she looks great carrying this film. Yeah. In the same way, if you ever saw Char- Shark Pan Park Chan Wook's mother, that yeah. old lady carries the film. Yes. That's what this says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, heartfelt and and touching. Yeah. Uh, and I can't. I'm I'm not sure exactly what Josh Hartnett's. He plays the English teacher. The English teacher. Who right. then it looks like he moves away and then she travels and to she's find him. from, is it China? Or Japan, Japan. I think. Japan. Yeah, Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, uh, and then she, yeah, she shows up. <laughs> At his door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's interesting because it's, it looks like it deals with stuff like, you know, finding your true self. Right. And to thine own self be true right, right, right. kind of thing. Because it seems like she's fairly locked in mm-hmm. as the trailer begins. Sure. Um, next up, uh, docudrama from HBO uh, with Al Pacino on Joe Paterno. Yeah. Not much of a trailer here. here. Yeah, so it's hard, it's hard to... But mostly, I think, what I thought was really interesting was the idea that um, there's a lot of... Most of the trailer is a close-up of... Al Pacino's face mm-hmm. and you as the voiceover is giving certain things and when it gets to the point like did you know kind of thing he does some great wordless acting yeah. of just sort of looking around like um it definitely it definitely looks like a showcase for for great acting mm-hmm. um and uh you know it's like any of this stuff that covers any of these Uncomfortable issues that we've been dealing with the last few years, you know. Um, if if nothing else that sheds light on stuff, then absolutely agreed. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mostly threw it in there because I just thought, look at Al. Al like, just acting his ass, really off. acting yeah, his yeah. ass off. Uh, next up, documentary on the porn industry collapse called Pornocracy about um, the death of, of the of death of adult cinema because of all the free shit that's available. All the, all the streaming stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm down with any of it because it's a world that I know nothing about. Yeah. And to be able to... I like porn. Yeah. So I want to know what it's, what goes into it. Uh, it looks kind of like nothing good comes out of it. Right, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that No one's finding their purpose yeah. <laughs> in this one. And uh, the the... It looks like it's kind of spotlighting this this particular guy that mm-hmm. kind of started this whole online porn stuff. Yeah, all the all the tubes, all the porn hubs, right. all that That's stuff. The red tubes, the yeah, 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 yeah. whatever they are. And uh, yeah, yeah. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see a documentary on. Um, we've seen documentaries on women in porn, as far as like actresses and what they've done mm-hmm. and then uh, directors and, and stuff like that. I'd like to see something from a fan's perspective. Mm. We always think of like the the porn fan as the guy sitting in front of his computer. Sweaty hands, yeah, but that's yeah. different now. Exactly, yeah. And I, like most of the women I know, most of my women friends, mm-hmm. are just as big of fans of porn yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as I am. I find know? it interesting that when they recently did that alert in Hawaii about the imminent bomb threat. Yeah. They found Pornhub hits spiked oh, from, from Hawaii. Really? Yeah, like yeah, people yeah. like, well, if I'm going to die, <laughs> I'm going to get off. I'm yeah, going yeah. to do this. <laughs> it's like the old joke about 
the bombs are coming. What are you going to do? I'm going to fuck whatever moves. What are you going to do? Try to stand perfectly <laughs> still. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh movie called Rapid Eye Movement is next. What I gathered from the IMDb is that this radio guy is doing a stunt like David Blaine. David or Blaine type thing. Chris Angel or whatever. And he's trying to stay awake for 11 days. But there is a monkey wrench thrown in when someone says... Yeah, if you fall asleep, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill... Yeah. And then, then it looks like the whole film, as you we move along, spins off into this guy's... Lack of sleep, psychosis. And so, so you got paranoia. You yeah. got and it who looks knows like, what's real? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Don't know that I would go to the movie theater for this one, but definitely I throw it on my queue. Sure. Next up, seven seconds. A black teen is killed, and tensions run high between the black community and cops. And this is a series. Yeah. As opposed to uh, yeah, 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 a, a yeah, yeah. movie. Um, timely. Uh, mm-hmm. Really timely. Yeah. And uh looks fascinating. I, uh, it, from the trailer, it looks like a cop is involved with this killing, mm-hmm. an unjust killing. Mm-hmm. And some of it is centering around, you know, the kid's family trying to find out what happened. And the other part of it is these... these cops trying to hide what this guy did and him dealing with his own guilt and going no 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 I want to yeah 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 at one point he says you know I'm a good cop and I'm going to turn myself in and the guy's like no you're not yeah 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 you know so yeah pretty interesting pretty interesting uh, let's see they finally released a full trailer to Super Troopers 2 the Broken Lizard sequel Mm -hmm. I guess, sure. Sure. I think if you love Super Troopers, you're a lot of people love, love that movie. Yeah. Um, My daughter loves that movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's funny. I, Interesting that we were going kind of going back to something Tony said is that this was a film that pretty much was crowdsourced. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. And again, it opens up new opportunities for stuff. And then finally, uh, an animated film called Tehran Taboo. About four people who must break in order to achieve their goal or survive the night. They have to break these hard and fast taboos within the uh, within uh, Iran. Iran, yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. It's rotoscoped, so if you're a fan of like a Scanner Darkly and that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, or Waking Life, um, looks similar. It looks, it, it, yeah. The the look is very similar to that. Um, I find it fascinating these stories in, in, and uh, so often um, you don't get a glimpse into the humanity mm-hmm. uh, in, in that a society like that and this is full of it and yeah. so yeah 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 yeah, yeah it looks yeah. great and it's a great way to you know maybe for people in the west to kind of get their head around what's going on right. there and yeah absolutely so all in all not a bad not a bad list um, have you watched anything? Um, uh, no, not really. I've, it, yeah, work has been, work has been, uh, 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 taken up all my time. Um, that's kind of a drag. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I watched, uh, Netflix just released a Todd Glass comedy special. Uh-huh. Six minutes. And I tapped out. Really? Six minutes. Wow. Yeah. I just didn't, like, this isn't even funny. Yeah. I normally like Todd Glass. Huh. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched anything. Yeah. I, I've been purposefully trying to. This is kind of, a, you know, I mean, like we're we're at the tail end of January. 
this is a a weird time. It it I've always been fascinated ever since I was a kid at the weird time thing that happens in January, where it's like the rest of the year seems to fly by, mm -hmm. but January for some reason becomes like this. I don't know this 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 black hole of time, <laughs> and because think about it, like Christmas was yeah one month ago yeah yeah doesn't yeah. it seem like it was it seems like a lot freaking year ago yeah, and it yeah. seems like that every year and yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. never understood what that is it's it's got something to do with the long dark nights of winter or, or what maybe or something. yeah and, are you reading anything I see you grabbing a book yeah um, so I I I went back and reread something. Um, the Devil's Rose, uh, which is an illustrated novel by Brom, and it is, it is amazing. And it's not, you know, Brom, you know, Krampus is like his big, big deal. The Child Thief was big. Plucker, mm -hmm. um, all big. Jeez, some uh, of the um, Moorcroft stuff he did. Yeah, the Elric. But this thing, man. If if you ever get a chance, check out this book. It's called The Devil's Rose. It's not a very big book, mm -hmm. but it, it it's it's um oh that's cool it's like text and drawing yeah it's, it's oh that's a, very cool yeah it's a short I I would call it a novella as, yeah. as opposed to a I mean novel. I was sold on the on it being brown but now looking at it Jesus oh this my is God really nice it, it's one of the coolest things I've ever read if you ever right on get, it's it's a gunslinger who's now uh he you know long dead you know but he's now working for hell and he's he he's like fuck you Satan I'm going rogue, and uh, it's amazing. Hmm. It's amazing. So wow! I, I brought that for you to borrow as well. Oh wow! I, I cool. Did, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. will look at that. You also brought Masters of Spanish Comic Book Art for me to borrow, and I'm yeah, really dude. stoked about that. <laughs> I'm super stoked. I um, because Jack Ketchum died, I went back and I was looking at off season. Yeah, and that's my recommendation this week is just. It's so good. Yeah, check There's out. stuff in there that, um, you you yeah, it's it's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> the there's the, the there's a moment where they this house is attacked, and they've got this person hung upside down, and they fucking light this guy. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, anything that you've heard? Anything you're listening to when we get out of here? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I came across a song called Stroker Ace by, uh, I want to say Lavage. It's a, it's kind of a trip hop thing. Yeah. And I was listening to it and it's like, it's one of the, one, it's one of the sexiest songs I've ever heard. Um, the the chorus is you know stroke that stroke that and it it's it is so cool because when I first heard it I thought oh this is just some drippy sexy stuff yeah and then upon the second listening I realized that the person singing is a cat this, weird this cat is is seeing this couple come home. It's like, hey, you guys look tired. Come here, stroke this coat. You know? Oh, that's funny. And it gets real super sexy. Like, you know, like I, w I like to lap up some cream and stuff. Oh, okay. And at first I'm just like, oh, this is, you this know. It's like, do me by Prince. Yeah. But it's a fucking cat. It's that's great. It's, yeah. Uh, check it out. It's called Stroker Ace by Lovage. Because when you said that, I thought, 
from the Burt Reynolds film? <laughs> right. That's exactly. I'm like, what? No. Yeah. No, no, no. That's funny. It's it's that world of double entendre, right? There's yeah. this song called Well, Well, Well that talks about a cat falling in the well. Yes. Just yeah, so yeah, they yeah. can say pussy, pussy, yeah. pussy a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, anything else? No. Uh, let's see. Music. Dr. Lonnie Smith has a new record. Lonnie Liston Smith called mm. um, All in My Mind. It's good. Uh, Lonnie Liston Smith, one of those unsung jazz players. Something that blew me away. I didn't know this, so people who know this, you know, they'd be like, duh, Langley. But I never realized this. Uh, you know, there, there's been a lot of Elton John talk because of his big farewell Victoria. thing. Three years, by the way. <laughs> He's 71. Um, and uh, I did not know that Levon, the song Levon, yeah. was written for Levon Helm of the band. Okay. I never knew that. Anytime anyone says his name's Levon, I think, like Levon Helm. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> Interesting with about Levon Helm, one of the few drummers that sing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one being the lead singer for the old uh, Triumph. He was the vocalist on yeah. that. Yeah. Man, yeah. I saw Triumph. Uh, I saw Ingbe Malmsteen open for Triumph. <laughs> That was a fucking cool show. Yeah. Ingbe. Ingbe just... I don't know what's going on with that guy. I'll tell you what. uh, Let's see. Let me finish this up. Steve Hackett has a new record out called Weathering Nights Live in Birmingham. He does a nice mix of... Steve Hackett, a guitar player for Old Genesis. Yeah. It's a nice mix of his solo stuff, but he does like Los Endos, and he does Dance on a Volcano, and Mm -hmm. some of the other... For the fifth, some of the old Genesis stuff, and yeah. that's pretty good. I've fallen down a giant hole listening to Buckethead. Yeah, just it may it's makes my head hurt in such a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just showed Langley before we started recording Buckethead doing nunchucks, nunchucks at his show and being <laughs> legit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let's see. Um, Two recommendations. Clayton English has a record called All the Same. Very Dave Chappelle. It's comedy. Very Dave Chappelle. Mm. And then Tommy Ryman has a thing called Having the Time of My Life that um, I also enjoyed. Uh, other than that, nothing. What are you working on? Anything? Uh, working on my movie, um, Protection. And right on. So, so that's moving along. Right on. Got some actors. and, and Sweet. And booth. you're starting to film when? Do you know yet? Well, the the hope is late spring. So, nice. so trying like to, yeah. I, 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 I've learned not to say, we're doing this this <laughs> day because <laughs> I've got a job and yeah, like, yeah, time yeah. And is stuff my, happens. And especially if on low budget stuff, you know, you got to sort of yeah. dance around other people. Time is my foe. So, you know. Right on. Um, Excellent. Uh, shoot, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. Go ahead. Cool. That's very cool. Oh, I was going to say, we both just sent in our uh, our surveys for Crypticon. Yes, we did. Yeah, Crypticon is coming up uh, in They May. just announced uh, another uh, John Skip. Oh, cool. Skip Spectre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, and I'm well, excited about cool. it. Well, that'd be cool. It'd be awesome if we could talk to him. I mean, we talked to Craig, mm-hmm. you know, so. I'd love to get them... Together. Together. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever happen, yeah. but I think that they might kill be, each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, no, I think there. I don't think there's no, much no, animosity. No, I'm joking. I know you are, but there. Uh, yeah, I think I think Crypticon so far. I, I'm. I don't know a lot of these people that they're getting as guests because a lot of them are from Twin Peaks and sure. Game of Thrones and stuff. I don't watch, but yeah. you know, Lansdale's going to be there this year. And yeah. Now, so. Um. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know I'm planning to be there all three days this year, so that'd be. Fun. I I I I'm planning on it as well if I can get the time off work. Right. Uh, did I last week? Did I talk about the the Voodoo Glow Skulls? And, yes, you did. Oh my God, I'm still on a high for that's that. great. Right. That's awesome. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I just turned in the okay on the layout for Stringer Pearl's book book. Not ebook, but book book. Right. I just got so that'll be out. I'm hoping soon. I just got the new book back from three beta readers. Yeah. And um, have went through and addressed all of their concerns, and in some cases they were really valid. Cool. Um. So I'm hoping within another week or two to finish the final rewrite. Get no flesh shall be spared. Don't look back. The crossroad and then the ebook, the same protocol. Ebook will come out. Sure. Um, and I can't wait for you guys to see this cover that Langley drew. It's fucking rad. It's okay. It's, it's really good. <laughs> uh, so that's that. Um, next week scheduled, we've got uh, artist Ken Meyer Jr. Yeah. Who does a lot of really cool watercolor stuff. Um, and we don't talk to a lot of people that no one does water. Nobody does. That'll be that'll be an interesting conversation. And and Ken's Ken's one of those guys who's been around a long time and is, you know, does the comic um, convention circuit. Sure. Does a lot of work for card companies. So that's next week. Thanks again to Tony Timpone for coming on. Yeah. That was really great. Uh, episode one sixty. We're good. Nice. Bonus material podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.